All right, good morning, church. How are we doing today, everybody? All right, that was terrible. All right. Okay, how are we doing today, everybody? There we go. All right, good, good, good. All right, so I would like to introduce to you at this time my friends. This is Dane and Melissa Money. And uh, Melissa oversees our preschool ministry here at Houston Northwest. And uh, they've been part of our church for many years now. And I've asked them to come and join me as we start our new series. So today we are starting a new series. And the name of this series is Then I Met Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, each week I'll be opening up the scriptures and talking about a particular encounter that Jesus had with a specific person. And each week what I'd like to do is I would like for us to hear stories of people who met Jesus in a moment of particular difficulty or struggle. And so today the monies have agreed to come and to share their story. Now we're just getting a snapshot, just a moment uh, of their story. And so, you know, there's a lot more detail to this and things that we can't hear today, but I think it's really helpful for us to hear how God meets us in these times. So, uh, monies, I'm excited to have the opportunity to sit with you today, so thanks for being here. Church, can we just kind of give them a round of applause and encourage them for being here? All right, good. Okay, so um, in 2007, the money story is, is that Melissa discovered that Dane was having an affair, and they were in a moment of crisis, and I want them to talk about how their perception of God prior to that moment and their perception, understanding, and experience of God following that moment changed, and how God met them in that space. So, Melissa, I want to start with you. Would you just start and say, okay, and tell us, in that moment, you discover that Dane is having an affair, um, and you had had a particular experience with God up to that moment. What had that been? Would you share that with us? Yeah, I think that growing up in church, I you know learned about the Lord. But my identity, I was very much basing my identity on my earthly roles that I was preparing for, you know, future wife, mom, daughter, student, which are all good and noble things to do, but that is not the reason that I was created and put on this earth. And so I didn't yet understand that my identity is not in what I do, but in who Jesus is. Hmm. That's good, okay, what about, what about you, Dane? Um, my knowledge of God, I think at that point was just having grown up in church. We were, it was one of those, the doors were open, we're there kind of things, how it felt. And I just had all of this head knowledge. Um, and it was, it was very transactional. I felt God had, God had done something for me. Mm. And so I was doing something for him by just ticking off all the boxes, doing everything right. But there was no real relationship Mm, okay, so roles, things that you're doing in your, in your world, kind of more of a head knowledge kind of experience. Okay, so then there's this day, this moment, this revelation happens, and then in talking to you guys, basically God met you in a very different way in that moment, and, and really for both of you, very unique, very different. Melissa, would you talk about how the Lord met you in, in that time and in that space? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, just in the aftermath, we had agreed to meet back at our home and have a discussion, and I think we both sort of had it in our mind that we were going to basically discuss the dissolution of our marriage, and I remember walking up to the door thinking that we were about to have like some sort of a big showdown screaming match, and which is not really us then or now, but that's just what I thought was going to happen. That's just how it was playing out in my head, but when I walked through the door, the Lord had something very different in mind for us to experience, and I just, I remember feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in a very tangible way come upon me um, in a way that I had not felt, honestly, 
very often since. And I just had this wave of instead of um, anger and uh, like revenge, I felt a, just, a, a, just a wave of mercy and compassion towards Dane because I, I looked at him and I saw that he was devastated and that he was hurting because not only had he sinned against me and sinned against the Lord, but he had also, you know, not lost his salvation, but he had walked far away from God to get to that point. And in doing so, he was, he was grieving as well. Um, and that just kind of changed the way that the whole conversation went from that moment, I mean, before I even said a word. Hmm. What about you, Dane? Yeah, I... I mean, thinking of it all as, as being a, a transactional thing, I was so focused on all of these things that I had done and the hurt that I had caused. And I think there, there in that moment, I got my first real taste of what grace looked like and what forgiveness looked like. Because mm. um, you, can, you can read about it all day long but when you have your own personal interaction with it, um, it just, <clears throat> it showed me that I had nothing, there was nothing that I could do there in that moment. There was nothing I could say that was gonna make things right. There was no one that I could be that was just going to fix it and I had to surrender and just, all right, here I am, I am, I am, just, just me. Wow. And it's kind of special in that moment. Um, it's one thing to extend grace. It's really different to be on the receiving end of it, right? Whenever you know that you've done something that you shouldn't have. Um, Melissa, could you maybe talk about in this moment, or since that moment, what has it looked like walking with the Lord? I mean, you had this this role of walking with the Lord, I'm sorry, this picture of walking with the Lord that was wrapped up in roles that you had to fulfill but then it began to shift. So what has it been since then? Yeah, so I think in that moment, we, and I mean, I realized that we were basically down to the, the, the rock bottom. We had had everything just raised to the ground, and we had to decide, you know, what is our foundation going to be? And, like, to the glory of God, we both said Jesus, and everything changed everything changed. Um, the roles that I had been like trying to live out my salvation, doing these things well, um, that is still very much a part of, of, of who I am and what I do, but it's no longer my identity. And I think when, the, when Jesus became like the foundation of, like the true foundation of everything that I do in my relationships, that began to then inform what I do. It had to, I had it backwards before. I was basing what I did on who I was, or basing what I, yeah, the other way. And so once I made Jesus the foundation and started actually living out my faith through him, that's when, I mean, those roles, they changed too. Like I was, back then I was a newlywed wife, and now, you know, I'm a mom of four with kids in high school. And I mean, even my role as a mom has changed a lot over the years. I can't base my identity on that because even that changes. So, yeah. Okay, that's good. What, what about for you, Dane? What? Being a recipient of that grace and moving from that, you talked about it, you know, being a set of knowledge or facts. How has that changed for you over the years? Yeah, it, I had to, I had to change the way I was looking at it because 
feeling like it was transactional, um, my relationship with God, my relationship with Melissa, um, and thinking about it more of like, what was I bringing to the table? Um, I had to view it more of, this is a relationship, this is a, a friendship. I need to be realizing God does think of me as a friend. He, he loves me, he created me, but he likes me and wants to spend time with me. Mm. Um, and I think the hardest thing initially moving forward, and even now sometimes it, it comes back, is just remembering to truly live in forgiveness. Mm. Um, because you can, you can say you've been forgiven, but you don't always feel that in here. Um, and so remembering that it's, I was made new. And, um, and just remembering to live in that every day, even. Um, it's, it's humbling. Would you say that being forgiven has changed the way that you interact with other people today? Yeah, I mean, and I don't know the verse, but you know, he, like we've been forgiven of so much, so it's, it's the least we can do to forgive other people. Yeah. Um, it, it blows my mind sometimes um, to think about it because um, I think growing up, I kept hearing all of these, um, these testimonies. Folks would come talk to us in, you know, in, in kids' church and youth group, and, and they'd have these crazy testimonies, and I'd think, oh, man, like, what a crazy, powerful story, and oh, man, like, how cool is that? They got to live through that and come out on the other side, and then when you end up in the middle of it, you're like, this is horrible. Hmm. I don't wanna have to go through this. This is, this yeah. is awful. Yeah. And being on the other side of it, yeah, absolutely would not have wished that for the world, um, but it is really nice to be on the other side and see that there is hope. Um, there's always room for, for forgiveness. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's great, no, thank you. What about like just advice? I mean, so someone's sitting out here today and they would say, I've, I am familiar with the knowledge-based God or the role-based God, but I don't know this relationship with God that, that you two are describing now. What, what advice would you give them? Melissa, what would you say? Uh, I, I spent a long time looking for validation in other things and other people. Um, and a lot of that, you know, early on in our marriage fell on Dane, which he's great, but he's not Jesus. Sorry, honey, but you're, you know, he's not perfect. And so I would just say that if you are finding yourself just striving and struggling and trying to be good enough and do enough things like, you know, your quiet time and prayer time and serving in church, like, please come serve in preschool ministry. But that's, <laughs> but that's not who you are as a child of God. Like your identity, the reason that you have been created and put on this earth is to live in friendship with God and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Dane, what about you? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, um, I think we, we have this, this thing we do to ourselves where we, we say, oh, I am the only one going through this. I am mm. the only one experiencing life the way that I am. And we just, we think an awful lot about ourselves. Um, but when I have 
been brave and shared this story or just whatever else I'm going through. I'm worried about, you know, getting the bills paid on time or something. I'm surrounded by people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. And there is so, there's so much hope there. Um, when you, when you reach out and you realize someone has gone through this before or someone is going through this or you're catching someone who is right on the edge of going through this. Um, I think one of the things about growing up in church that I, that I didn't realize was you look at all of these stories, whether it's in the Bible or it's on TV or whatever, and you think, oh, I would never, I would never do that. And you just forget to have your guard up. And I think it's, it can be true of anything. You're just, you're not prepared. And so sharing what you're going through can, can sometimes just help someone else to realize like, oh man, that could happen to anybody. Mm. Um, but I would say there's always room for forgiveness and living in that forgiveness can be so, so difficult. Um, but we have been forgiven. And um, I think one last thing, just we, we think sometimes that, we can, that we've run so far away. We've run so far from God. But he's omnipresent. He is always there. We cannot run too far away. He is always there with us. Yeah, amen. Manny, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story with us today. Um, I'm grateful that 17 years ago the Lord met with you in that moment and thankful that, that you turned to him in that. Church, would you join me in thanking them for sharing with us today? Well, church, I don't know about you, but that was really encouraging for me to hear that and to know that the Lord does still meet us in these spaces and in these ways. If you have your Bible with you, I wanna invite you at this time to go ahead and take it out. Head over with me to the book of John. We're gonna be in John chapter three. And uh, today, we are going to read the story and learn from the story of Nicodemus. And uh, Nicodemus is a story that maybe many of us are familiar with, but I think today it's really the perfect story for us to hear. So what I'd like to do is just pray and ask God to meet us in this space. So if you would, just bow your head with me and, and uh, let's ask God to move. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for what you give. Thanks for who you are. And thanks for the way that you meet us in grace. So needed. Lord, I pray that right now you would use these words to speak and to change everyone who needs to hear them. We love you, Father. Meet us in this place. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. John chapter three, verse one. Let's read this together. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied. Truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. This is the word of the Lord. So we just heard a story, a story from two people, two people who grew up in church, they knew the truth, knew the facts, had had knowledge about God, but then in a moment of crisis had a very specific encounter with Jesus and really understood his love, understood his grace for the first time. And today that's really what the story of Nicodemus is about. The story of Nicodemus is a story of someone who is religious, a Pharisee, a teacher, someone who has walked with um, the way of their tradition of faith for years, but had never really understood the things of God that Jesus teaches. This passage contains what is arguably the most famous verse in the New Testament. It's something that if you've been in and around church, you've probably heard a ton, and today what I wanna challenge you to do is that if you have been in and around church a lot, and you've heard this story hundreds of times, I would challenge you today to try to hear it for the first time. So, newsflash, this sermon is for church insiders. Now, it may apply to some outsiders. If today's your first time, it's totally okay. But this sermon was written with church insiders in mind. For those of you who have been to church hundreds, maybe thousands of times, I wrote this one just for you. This is written for the people who know who Bible Man is, okay? If you know who Bible Man is, I wrote this sermon for you. Um, if you have ever seen a flannel graph used in person, I wrote this sermon for you, okay, right? If you have ever watched any of the Left Behind movies, I wrote this sermon just for you, okay? If you were raised on VHS cassettes of VeggieTales, I wrote this for you. That's right. If a squash can make you smile, this sermon was written for you. So now... Maybe you don't know what any of those things are and you said, man, that's pretty weird. You're right, you have no idea how weird it is. But what I want you to know is it's okay. It will apply to you too, but this particular passage is about a religious insider. See, here's the thing. I'm gonna stand up here today and I'm gonna tell you that the best thing that you could ever do for your children or your grandchildren is to raise them in church. But I'm also going to tell you that to raise your kids or your grandkids in church comes with a very specific risk. And here is the risk. 
that you can hear about God but not have God. Right? That you can have all sorts of knowledge about God but you could never encounter God. And today, through the story that Dana and Melissa shared of their life, and today by reading about what happened with Nicodemus, I want us to talk about that because Nicodemus had been religious his entire life. Jesus refers to him in verse 10 as the teacher of Israel. And some of us in this room identify with Nicodemus more than we realize. We are people who know the Bible backwards and forwards. We could teach it with our eyes closed, and yet at the same time, we have not had the sort of experience that God wants us to have. You see, Nicodemus is curious. He shows up asking about Jesus, and I bet that there are people here today who are still curious, they're still looking for that moment, that encounter with Jesus, but we haven't had it. And today I want you to hear what it is that Jesus said to Nicodemus and what he says to those of us in this place who have been fascinated with religion that we need to hear. Number one, rebirth is greater than religion. Rebirth is greater than religion. Verse three, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here's the danger of Christianity, that we turn it into a morality. Now, I wanna be clear, if you come to faith in Jesus, you will most likely, hopefully, if you have an encounter with God, your morals will radically change, but many people live a life that is determined by and defined by Judeo-Christian values, but they do not have a living faith in Jesus. And the problem with that morality is, is that when someone crosses that morality, if you don't have a personal experience with grace, you will find it difficult to extend that grace that God is supposed to show you. You see, Nicodemus said, I know things, I do things, I perform these religious activities. And Jesus said, yes, you do, but you haven't had an encounter with the living God. You haven't known the love of God, and that can only happen by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says himself in verse six, what's born of the flesh is flesh, and what's born of the spirit is spirit. Some of us have a fleshly faith. And what do I mean by that? That is a faith that is comprehensible only within our bodies, within the natural world. But the spiritual world, the spiritual faith only comes when the Holy Spirit comes in. And you saw what Jesus said. You, you can't control when the Holy Spirit breaks in, but when it does, it changes you. It changes you. And lots of us have not met the Holy Spirit. And do you wanna know why? Because we haven't been looking for him. Now, we might have been looking for a warm fuzzy on a Sunday morning. We might have been looking for some greater knowledge, but we haven't met with the living God. Here's the danger in today's world. We can become obsessed with these low-level pseudo-celebrities within Christianity. And we get fired up about this preacher or that preacher or this podcaster or that YouTuber or this writer or this theologian. And don't get me wrong, we need teachers, preachers, theologians, writers, Man, even YouTubers, right? We need them if they're sharing the truth of God. But at the same time, here's the danger. The danger is, is that we become fans of them and we don't become friends with Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, the prophet Jeremiah says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. But many of us have been seeking the wrong thing. We've been seeking knowledge. We've been seeking theology. We've been seeking notoriety. We might even be seeking community and friends, good things, but we haven't been seeking God first. And here's the thing that happens, some sub points under that. You see, what Jesus is trying to tell 
Nicodemus is, is that the spirit is greater than any sanctimony that we could create. What I mean by that is, is that many of us are really great at following rules. We're great at following rules. Some of us in this room, we are type A, we're organized, we can pull it together, we look professional, we sound professional, and that's great. It doesn't mean that you have a clue about the grace of God. It just means that your personality bends that way. And that's great. I mean, being organized is good, right? But just because you're organized doesn't mean you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And many of us are living from our own strength and we're not allowing God to meet us in this place. The question today I wanna ask you is, have you had an encounter with the living God? When I was 22 years old, I was serving as a pastor of a small church in West Texas, 35 people in this congregation. I would go visit every person in my church every week. I preached three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and I could write all three of those sermons in like a day. That tells you how bad I was at writing sermons, right? And I was doing that, and I was seeing everybody, and I would just spend time reading the Bible and praying. I was trying to grow. And I still remember I was sitting in that little office in that little church, and I was reading a theologian who I honestly don't agree that much with, but using his words and the words of the Bible and the spirit of humility in that moment, the Holy Spirit just met me, just met me. And I suddenly understood the gospel in a fresh new way. And I want you to hear me in this. I finally just grasped the depth of the love that God had for me. And as a 22-year-old preacher, I just started to weep. And you know why I started to weep? Because I was in a season of intense doubt. I was standing up and preaching week in and week out. I wasn't even sure if I believed the things that I was preaching. And God met me in that place. He met me in that place. And it changed me completely. But until I had had an encounter with the living God, I was walking around saying, do I actually believe this? And what I want you to hear today is that once you have met with God, it is a rebirth, it changes you. I, I have not looked back from that moment. I've just kept on going. Because once I've met with the living God, it changed me. This is the, kind of the other subpoint in here is that experience is greater than earning. Nicodemus was, was fascinated with doing the right thing so that people would find him impressive and so that he would be right standing before God. But one experience with the living God, listen to me, one moment in a study in a church that no one has heard of in West Texas was better for me than any knowledge that I'd had before. Like for those of you who grew up in church, I mean, I had the denim RA vest with gold piping. Can I get an amen, okay? And what I want you to know, if you don't know what that is, it's okay. You probably you know, had more fun than I did as a kid. But what I want you to know is this, is that that whole thing, even though I'd been to church every time that the doors were open, right? You, you know that old preacher joke, right? I had a drug problem when I was a kid. My mama drugged me to church every time that the doors were open, that kind of a thing. That was my life, but what I want you to hear, even though I had all of that experience, it wasn't until that encounter that I said, whoa. Experience is greater than earning. Next thing that we read there that Jesus wants us to hear is that the cross is greater than condemnation. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you've not read the book of Numbers lately, then you don't know what Jesus is talking about. But in Numbers chapter 21, something crazy happens. I'm just gonna give you kind of the, the quick rundown. 
the Israelites are headed to the promised land and a whole bunch of snakes invade the camp. And the snakes bite a bunch of people and people are gonna die from snake bites. Moses cries out to the Lord and says, God, would you please save the people? And the Lord tells Moses, here's the way that we're gonna save the people. Go get some bronze, melt it down, fashion a snake out of it, affix it to a pole, hold up the pole, and anybody who will look at the snake, I'll heal. This was not in the Boy Scout manual, right? Whenever you were a kid, but this is the plan. So Moses does this, lifts it up. Now, can you imagine when Moses says that? Hey, if you'll just look at the snake, then you'll be healed. And like, a bunch of people were like, okay, I wanna be healed. So they looked at the snake, boom, they're healed. But how many of us in this room would be transparent and just admit, I wouldn't do that. It's ridiculous. Everybody knows you don't get healed from a snake by, by looking at a bronze snake up on a pole, right? We all know that, don't we? And this is what's happening in this because Jesus says in the same way that Moses raised the bronze snake in the wilderness, the son of man will be lifted up. He's referring to the cross. And this is what Jesus is saying. The only way that you're gonna be able to be saved is if you look at the new saving thing that's lifted up and that is the son of man lifted on the cross. And only if you will look at Jesus will you be saved. This is scandalous. Now think about it. Think about it. How are you gonna be saved? How are you gonna have right relationship with God? Here it is, a man who lived 2,000 years ago was actually God, and when he died, if you believe in him, you'll be saved. People say, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as a bronze snake being lifted up in the desert. Back in 2020, I don't know if you guys heard this story, there was a pastor in South Africa who didn't have a lot of money, and he wanted to propose And so he took his soon-to-be wife to her favorite restaurant. They didn't have a lot of money, remember? So he took her there. Where was it? KFC. And he got down on one knee, and he proposed at KFC. Someone videoed this and went a little viral on the internet, and people started to make fun of this guy. You know, it was in South Africa, this pastor, and they said, can you believe that South African men are so cheap they propose at KFC, right? But you wanna know what's funny? People got wind of that, and then the internet did that thing that the internet does, and all of these corporations started donating ridiculous gifts to this pastor and his soon-to-be wife from their KFC proposal. Audi donated, said, we're gonna take care of transportation for your wedding, right? Uh, Other corporations started saying, we'll provide a, a honeymoon spot for you, we'll provide a hotel for you. The next thing you know, this couple that has no money who propose at KFC end up with the dream wedding that they had always wanted. Now, if someone said to you, where do you think the place is that you ought to propose if you want to earn your dream wedding? Most of us would probably not lead with the place where Colonel Sanders came up with original recipe chicken, right? We would probably not do that. We would probably not say KFC. And yet, that's what happened. Listen to me, that's the foolishness of the cross. Most of us would not say, if I look and believe in this thing, then I'll be saved. But we begin to be lavished with, bestowed with riches that are far beyond anything that we could ever imagine. The truth of the matter is, is that many of us think that we have gone beyond the work of the cross. We've been around church for a minute. Yeah, 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 Steve, I got it, I got it. Jesus died, he forgave me, thanks a lot, appreciate it. No, What I want you to hear is this. The cross never stops being magnificent. 
The cross never stops saving. The cross never stops working. The day that I become hard-hearted is probably the day that I have forgotten just how marvelous the grace of God is. The crazy message of the cross is that there are things happening inside of me beyond my ability to fix. Now listen to me. We live in the day of emotional health, counseling, therapy, self-help books. I'm a fan of all those things, P.S. But what I want you to hear, this is the temptation. The temptation is for me to believe that I can get so emotionally healthy, I can quote unquote do the work and I get to the place where I don't need the cross of Christ anymore. Because I can begin to believe that I'm emotionally healthy now so I don't need that stuff. I want you to listen to me. The temptation is that we think everything wrong with me is a response to past trauma, past experiences. And much of it may be, but some of us are stubborn just because we're stubborn. Some of us are rebellious just because we are rebellious. Some of us have this bent within us towards doing things that hurt and harm other people, not because of things that have happened to us, but because we have been marred with the curse of sin and it needs to be broken and it only can be through the cross of Christ. We can only get so far with self-help and eventually we're gonna get to the end of ourselves and we're gonna say, I still can't get where I need to be and where, where we run out of ourselves, that's where Jesus says, here I am. And that's where the cross is. But the truth of the matter is, is that we will probably only look at the cross if we recognize that we need help. We'll only look at the cross if you say, I need a God who can rescue. I need a God who can transform. I need a God who can save. And we'll probably only look at the cross, listen to me, if we keep believing it. Many of us had a moment where we believed in the cross, maybe even a year or two or three, but we left that behind. Well, we're, we're done with that. I, I don't need the cross anymore. The cross isn't the thing that I need. You need it more than ever. I've got to preach the cross to me every day, which leads to the last thing, is that we need to be heartfelt because being heartfelt is greater than being hardened. Look at verse 20. Actually, verse 19. Jesus says, this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. See, there's this last little bit. Most of the time, whenever we read this passage, it's like, read John 3, 16, and then those of us who've been around church for a while, like, yeah, but don't forget about 3, 17. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, which is true. But then we just kind of run past 18, 19, 20, et cetera. And what's happening there? Now, remember, this is an encounter with a religious insider. See, most of us read this and it says, well, if you've got good deeds and you'll run to the light and you have evil deeds, you'll run to the darkness. And if we've been around church, we've been saved. We're like, well, that doesn't really apply to me. False. It actually applies to us a great deal because here is the thing that happens for those of us who are religious insiders. And my hunch is, is this is the thing that he was struggling with. He being Nicodemus was struggling with in that time. Many of us who have been in and around church for years, who have been in and around church for years, 
This is the thing that happens. We get cynical towards the things of God. We get cynical towards the things of God. Now, I want to be clear. There can be reasons for that. Plenty of documentaries out there, abuse scandals, etc. I don't know how to explain this, but if you've grown up in church, there becomes this moment where it almost becomes, dare I say it, cool to be almost condescending to the things of faith. Where you, you say that you believe, but you don't actually walk with the Lord. And so what happens? We begin to allow our hearts to be hardened to the very thing that saved us and drew us in in the first place. This is why we have to preach the gospel day by day. Let me just explain what I mean here. Not proud of what I'm about to tell you, okay. Caveat. But um, for me, for me, I have shared from the platform before, for those of us in the room who are new, you're gonna be disappointed in me, I'm sorry. But I have shared over the years that uh, my struggle when I'm not walking with the Lord is I have a bit of a cussing problem. All right, so here's what's happened. Whenever I am walking and drawing near to the Lord, you know what, not really an issue. Whenever I find myself kind of growing lackadaisical in my pursuit of the Lord, you know what happens? I start sounding more and more like a trucker. Now, I'm sharing that with you so that you'll know this. That for me is a barometer to say, am I pursuing Jesus? And you know what I do? My tendency is in those moments when I'm, when I'm speaking like that is to justify it and to say, God doesn't really care about that. He's gracious. It's not that big of a deal to him. Well, I mean, he says it is, right? I mean, book of James, salt water, fresh water don't come from the same well, from the same spring rather. But I'll just say, well, God doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. Why do I do that? I justify it because I like to kind of pretend like I'm past all that. Like, I've been in church a long time. That's not that big of a deal. I can just move forward. The cross of Christ has already done its work. I'm forgiven. Let's keep moving on. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33 says this. They feared the Lord, but they served other gods too. Some of us in this room have a hard heart to the things of God because while we're giving lip service to Jesus, we are still nodding to the gods of the age. And we nod to the gods of the age because we want to appear relevant or cool or with it or whatever that thing might be. And what I want you to know is, is that I see it in my own life and so I bet that it probably creeps up on you as well. Ask yourself, what are the things that you have convinced yourself, you know, this really isn't that big of a deal? What are the grudges that you've justified? Who are the people that you are calling enemy? What are the actions that you have rationalized? Did you notice this? Anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. When I am running after Jesus, when I am pursuing a passionate relationship with him, you know what? My behavior reflects it. And when I have grown cold in my faith, when I've grown cold in my walk, when I'm not really walking with the Lord, you know what happens? My actions reflect that as well. Does anybody identify with that? The thing that I want us to ask ourselves is this. Do I really see myself as a recipient of grace or do I see myself as someone who moved past grace a long time ago? Let me tell you what. I have to come back to this truth over and over and over. When I was a kid, the church where I grew up, the old folks had a thing that they would say. They would say, 
but for the grace of God, there go I. And I never understood that. Because I would think, well, I would never do anything like that. Listen to me. If you hear stories and testimonies and you think to yourself, well, I would never do anything like that, oh boy, you better check yourself. Because you are right there. The only thing preserving you and keeping you from running your life into the ditch is that God has his gracious hand on you and is saying, no, 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 not over here, you're coming back over here. And today, we need that truth. Ask yourself today, do I believe in the grace of God? Do I receive the grace of God? Ask yourself today, will I come back? Nicodemus was the ultimate insider. And today many of us need to come back in the same way that he came back. He was there at the tomb because he discovered and was reborn. I hope today is that you will be as well. Would you pray with me? I just wanna ask a couple of questions here in the room. Number one. Number one, everybody's got their head bowed. I just wanna ask you this. You'd say, hey, Steve, I'm a believer, but that's me. My faith has grown kinda cold. My heart's kinda hard. I'm just honest about it, and I don't like it. I don't want it to be that way. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just raise up your hand. Okay, lots of hands. Anybody else, just raise them up. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, anybody else, just raise them up. Okay, you can put them down. Number two, you say, Steve, I've been in church, but I don't know if I've ever had an encounter with God, and I wanna meet him. Would you raise your hand? Just say, that's me, I want an encounter with God, okay? Lots of hands, anybody else? Raise them up, it's okay. No judgment, okay, thanks. Put them down. And then finally, if you'd say, hey, I'm here today, and what I need is I need to actually place my faith in Jesus. That's what I need. I'm ready to surrender my heart and my life to him. I'm ready to sign up to be baptized. That you raise your hand today and say, yep, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ. Okay, I see you, sir. Who else? Just raise it up. Okay, I see you, sir. All right, who else? You ready to place your faith in Jesus? Just raise your hand up. Okay, I see you, ma'am. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Ready to surrender your heart, your life to Jesus. Okay, I see you back there. Thank you, sir. Okay, who else? Okay. All right, put your hands down. Let's just pray. Lord, for those who have said that they want their faith to be rekindled, meet them here, Lord. God, give them a hunger for your word. Give them a hunger for your presence. And God, let them pursue you. God, for those who raise their hands or said, I don't know if I've ever had an encounter with you. Lord, would you meet them this week? Maybe in a in a space where they least expect it. But Lord, you tell us that if we seek you with our heart, we will find you. So Lord, I pray that they would seek. Lord, for those who raise their hands and said they're ready to follow you, ready to surrender their lives to you, and just pray that right now they'll join me and pray this with me. If you raise your hand and said you're ready to follow Jesus, just pray with me. Father, I love you. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the cross. I believe in the empty tomb and I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to follow you. I surrender my life to you. I'm ready to be baptized. 
and ready to live in the way that Jesus wants me to the rest of my life. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us and we'd love to see you soon.